And welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. And uh we are just uh three rattlers. We just we just trying to survive. We're just trying to keep it uh keep it copesthetic, so to speak. We uh it's a it's a lot of a lot of hurt feelings in Rattler Nation after the last weekend, uh this past weekend in the Orange Blossom Classic, but uh as uh, Kofi always likes to remind me, we gonna be all right. So, with that said, gentlemen, how you feeling, Kelvin? Kofi, how we feeling? Well, for me, I mean, I'm all right. Yeah, we good. We don't look back. We strike back. That's what we do. Um, you know, learn that. Obviously, obviously, uh, you know, we lost the game. But I think it exposed a number of different things that I'm sure we're going to get into on tonight. And uh, but the good thing is there's still time to fix those things. So I'm looking forward to uh, tonight's show and looking forward to uh, this interaction because I believe it's going to be heated. It's going to be fire. It's going to be good. All right, Kelvin, how yeah, about it's, you? It's early, Brian. It's early. You know, no need to panic yet. Yeah, I, uh, I I I tweeted something after I think this was Saturday night or Sunday night. I, I said something to the fact that I miss message boards, you know, because at least with the message boards, yeah, you had to actually go home, you had to log on to the computer, you, you didn't have just instant access to fire off shots, you know, and and uh, just let's just say, fam, you Twitter was it, it was funny, it was funny, sad but funny. All the same, if, if you uh, if you could find the uh, the silver lining and the humor in some of the things that were just floating out there, just but it was a well, great reminder that hey, college football is back. The overreactions look, are real. Rattler Nation is a very passionate bunch, and we know good football when we see it. Um, we give credit where credit is due, but more importantly, when we talk trash like we have we want to win so when we don't win and we have to hang our heads a little bit you know till we remind that remind everybody that it don't matter whether we win or lose we're still going to talk made the noise um about everything so you know just really with that you know there's an accountability when you are um when you put on the orange and green whether you are in administration whether you are in the band whether you are on the or on an athletic team or just uh, you know, just wearing a shirt. There's an accountability that comes along with that, and so that's just a part of just being Rattler Nation. Yeah, the bar yeah, is high. We, yes, definitely the bar is high. So we got a lot to break down. Orange Blossom Classic this past weekend. Uh, we are in the midst of a two-game losing streak over uh, Why you had almost. To bring it up with- 
talking about Dern Cookman from 20 years ago. That's that's done. We in 2021. It's been 21 months, and we're on a two-game losing streak. Uh, that was bad, Brian. That was bad. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're making me mad, man. You're making me mad. The last, I, this is what I'll say. The last time we were on a two-game losing streak, we ran off nine wins in a row, and it started with Fort Valley State. So, look, let's not – I'm, I'm, I'm giving you that that side. I'm giving you that half of the glass full right there. How about that? Okay, well, I'll take that part then. All right, all right. Bro, so we got a lot of... Look, I didn't sing any... Look, I, I was going to sing a song for you, Kelvin, about being... Please don't say you know, Don't say Okay. Don't say I, I would like to say, though, somebody, somebody on this show will be asking for his flowers a little bit later, though, uh, because... Uh, <laughs> He did tell you guys that uh, there might be a little quarterback controversy and that uh, all of the uh, rumblings and the oars on the depth chart and all that stuff, that there was there was some there was some legitimate to that legitimacy to that. So let's let's start with uh, the lead story. And, and I guess in segment one, uh, we'll and just let me set the show up for you. Uh, obviously, thank you for tuning in and watching the ONG Strike Zone. Uh, make sure you uh, stay logged in with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Of course, part of the Black College Sports Network uh, as you're watching us. Uh, I, I will say on this show, not only are we going to talk about the Jackson State game, uh, we're also going to bring on uh, the one of the voices of the Rattler Sports Network that covered the game, uh, the legendary Hall of Fame quarterback, Albert Chester Sr., will be coming on. He does color commentary on the Rattler Sports Network on game day. So he's going to give us uh, his view and, and also take us into a look ahead to Fort Valley State, which is opponent number two of the season. And then uh, we continue to spotlight our Lady Rattlers, our volleyball program, uh, which is uh, off to a great start. Another, another great weekend, I thought, uh, even though we only won one of uh, three matches, but I still think we played real well. Uh, we were, uh, and it should be, we are playing as one of the best volleyball programs in the SWAC right now. We we, we only won, uh, let's see, the uh, volleyball program is the only SWAC volleyball program to win a match over the weekend. And the four matches we won, or excuse me, the four games we won, uh, because we did beat somebody 3-0, and then we uh, we went one in uh, we we lost three one in another match. We won four games, which is the most you know uh, that anybody won in the SWAC. So um, we're winning our non conference. Our record right now is three and three. So coming up a little bit later at the top of the second hour um, is Dominique Washington, the grad transfer from uh, Georgia Tech, has been killing it these past two weeks. And so it's a great opportunity to have her on the show. Uh, she'll be coming out of class. Uh, she got a night class, and so she's uh, going to take time out to join us. So that's uh, kind of setting up the show for you. And uh, I'm sure if you are watching us, wherever you're watching us on Twitter or on Facebook or YouTube, you know, make sure to comment. We'll check those comments out and uh, comment. So let's go to uh, – Let's go to the lead story, gentlemen. And in this segment, let's kind of let's just stick to the offense on this lead story because I think that is where the lead starts. 
And so I'll, I'll go to you, Kelvin, and I'll start with you. And as we talk about the offense that we saw against Jackson State, where do we start? Where do you start? What impressed you? What didn't impress you? What was the biggest storyline from what we saw from the offensive production in game one? All of the preseason and camp, we talked about Red Boys 2.0. We talked about a lot of depth with the running backs. We talked about um, the O-line depth. And we understood that there was a question mark at the quarterback position. What I saw initially when I saw the score, because I wasn't able to watch it live, uh, and saw the final score of 7-6, I didn't know what to think. But I had opportunity to go back and review the film of the, uh, the live game twice now. And what stood out to me first and foremost was the schemes, the, the blocking schemes. We had guys running full speed on the front of the line of scrimmage, the defense end, number 57, uh, coming with a clear path to the quarterback, unblocked. The tackle, for whatever reason, had to be a scheme was blocking down. Uh, there was no attempt, it looked like, for the running back to pick him up and no no other lineman coming out. So I, I just questioned the preparedness for what we saw. Um, also, Jackson State started running some middle um, blitzes with number 45. Again, uh, those defenders were coming in unblocked, untouched. It wasn't like they were beating their guys. It was like something was wrong with our scheme. Are they exposed they flaw in our scheme, whatever the case yes, may be. So, so I was really disappointed in that preparedness. And I don't, I didn't see the adjustments I thought I would see in real time, right? The whole first half, it looked pretty similar. Um, second half, it might have been a little better, but it, it wasn't significantly better. They got a lot of pressure, and uh, Rashawn McKay took a beating for three he quarters. He took a beat, even when he got he the did. ball off. He took a beat. Now, I want to talk about some stats, though, right? Well, I'm one of those people. Let me, ask, you, let me ask you this, Calvin. Let me before you go into talking stats, and you talked about the schemes. Did at any point did you wonder where should those where should that protection or where should that pickup come from? I mean, I think we've I saw a clip online, um, and I asked this question online when I saw it. It was about a two minute clip of really our offense getting blown up. But I wondered where should the protection be coming from? I think we're used in the professional leagues of hearing about quarterbacks making the coverage changes and calling out the blitzes and things of that nature. When you watched what you watched, did it, did it ever come into question? Do you, did you wonder, who's supposed to be calling that? Who's supposed to be picking that up? Because to me, it didn't seem like McKay was, was seeing it or picking it up or calling it out. I don't know whose responsibility it was. What are your thoughts? Typically you, you got a new quarterback, uh, one, two games in, at a collegiate level, you don't give that freedom, that responsibility to that quarterback. Typically, those things are called either from the sideline and or 
the uh, press box leader on the line. On the line, I know they have a certain calls. It's tough for me to answer without knowing their schemes and so forth. But I highly doubt that uh, Rashawn was responsible, and maybe for hot reads when there was a blitz, but just a regular play. Uh, I don't think he had anything to do with that. If so, that was a mistake. So hopefully that wasn't the case. Well, you know, for me, the um, the issue for me was um, when you're looking at play calling, play callers, good play callers go with what's working. They take what the defense is giving them. Um, Jackson State was very much aligned to attack our passing game from a pressure standpoint and then from a receiver standpoint to try to um, take away some of the timing that the quarterback had with the wide receivers and tight ends. That being said, on, I want to say, at least about three drives, we had good positive momentum running the football. Uh, there was, to, in my opinion, I felt like there was an advantage there because we were getting at least four, five, six yards of carry, uh, especially when Terrell Jennings was running the ball. And then all of a sudden, um, after the Jackson State guy uh, faked his little injury down there, um, <laughs> you know, we, we stopped with Terrell and we went back to Bishop. And I love Bishop, but I was kind of... Uh, perplexed a little bit because I was like, okay, well, Terrell is is killing them. Let's keep Terrell in the game. Let's continue running and working that side until they make an adjustment. And then we went right back to pass plays that were not working. They had that, they had that lined up. I'm saying uh, there should have been an adjustment. Somebody should have seen something up top uh, from the press box. There should have been more communication. And as Coach Simmons stated on his show, you know, um, running a good quality offense is about being in sync. And it was apparent that Jackson State threw these guys out of sync. What were you going to add about statistics, Kelvin? You, you were, you were going to make a point about some of the statistics that you saw from the game. So McKay essentially was 18 of 29, right around 50% played three quarters, had about 76 yards or so. We had a quarterback change in the fourth quarter. Junior came in. He was 5 of 11 for 40 yards. And it was kind of the same kind of statistics that were in the scrimmages prior to this game. I know that Coach Simmons had mentioned uh, that Junior, we will see Junior at some point. It's obvious, obvious that he has a a good feel for him and think that he, he has an element that's beneficial to the team. I'm really concerned, though, making this, making this change for this next game with a true freshman quarterback at this point. Um if we don't change or improve our scheme and get get what we need fits up front, I'm afraid of throwing that young guy into the fire. And you know, being a true freshman, you're gonna fumble, 
you know, throw the, throw a bad ball, and we get, and we get in a dog fight. That's what I'm afraid of. And the other part is with those. The reason I threw those statistics out is I don't know if we should have did anything in terms of our quarterback situation until we evaluated the first half against Fort Valley. I think that would have been a fair way for both kids. Now there's a lot of pressure for everybody, and it's an awkward situation. Well, I I, I think this was bigger than statistics. I, I think you have to look at how the – I mean, let's just talk about the throws. And, again, go back to what Coach Simmons said in the debut, and this is what I tried to tell you guys. He said it himself. There is a – I mean – He pointed out arm strength of McKay and the arm talent of Muratovic. You know, now, you know, in in hearings and different commentary, um, I've heard from uh, another uh, a a good a good friend of the of the show and the network, BJ Jones, who has said that he had people who, you know, told him that Muratovic is the quarterback who had looked the best in camp. Now, you know, I, I don't know. That's just what he's heard. But it would it would not it doesn't surprise me given everything we had going up. And I and I kept trying to tell you guys, pay attention to what coach is saying. And I think it was you who always I think it was you, Kelvin, who said you always listen to what the coaches say. You you let that be your guide. You know, don't don't follow all the other stuff. Listen to the coaches. And Coach Simmons told you. He told you the guy who had arm talent was Muratovic. And I think the only I think there's maybe some apprehension initially in going to the true freshman. I get it. Um I think there was some confidence that he had in McKay. Uh I get that. I also think there might be some politics involved. I mean, McKay coming out of Godby High School, uh from Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, those are two, two. I mean, that's one program where we've had some good, some good talent come out of for for the program, and one city that's provided some good talent. So, I mean, I, I'm just I'm totally speculating, but if we're going to play the politics card, it's out there, right? So, all of those factors, in some form or fashion, may have caused the delay in the decision. But you know what? At some point in that game. When you look at the throws, and I'm just saying, go look at the throws. Don't don't worry about your percentages and the completions and misses. Look at the quality of the throws, and there is no way you can argue that the quality of throws that came out of Muratovic's hands were 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 they were ten times better than what came out of McKay's hands. Now, why? There there are factors. Yes, there are factors. The the blitzing and the pressure that McKay was on was tremendous and it may have had a tremendous effect on his throws. But then again, I've heard people say, look at his footwork, look at him throwing flat footed. So I, you know, there's, there's a, there's a number of ways that you can look at this and you can, you can say, why make the change when he did, you know? And I think part of him maybe not wanting to make that change is it was still a one possession. It was a one point game. I get it. It's a one-point game. Why change up in a one-point ball game? But we got to move from just looking at those stats 
and really look at the quality of the throws and let's 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 let that guide us and say here's a kid who's been working here's a kid who's been working uh and, and I think he's been showing himself as someone capable of wanting to start being ready to start and now he's going to get his chance what do you want to add in there uh Kofi anything no, uh, nothing, man. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, obviously that wasn't McKay's best outing. I think McKay had an opportunity there to uh, do some things. But um, as Kelvin stated, a lot of the things that were happening in the game were not necessarily his fault. Um, but I will say that in terms of reading the defense, reading what was happening, Maritovic was seeing things a little bit further down the field than uh, McKay was. And that, of course, is a big deal. But um, when it comes to just being in sync, you know, the staff, I believe they do have a good handle on things. They just really need to tighten up. And I would say bring more balance and more awareness because there's too much explosiveness on our team um, for us not to be able to get people in space and for us not to move the ball. Um, We're going to come back after this break. We got plenty more to talk about. Going to try to look into the defensive side of the ball, maybe give a few grades uh, to what we saw, even maybe take away some major takeaways from, from this game. We're still unpacking game number one, FAMU versus Jackson State. Rattlers lose 7-6. to six. It's not the end of the world. Just a one-point game. We've been here before. And, uh, you know, the last time we were here, we went on a nine-game winning streak. So let's start a brand-new one coming up this weekend. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi will be back right after these words. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. 
Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. Are you hungry for... All right, welcome back to the OG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi uh, still commenting a little bit about last week's FAMU-Jackson State game, Orange Blossom Classic. 30,210 people were in attendance. Uh, by far the largest crowd of any HBCU uh, game over the past weekend from what I saw. Uh, according, I think the next closest might have been uh, in, in the in the teens, I don't think anybody hit over twenty in any contest, uh, and that includes the Black College Hall of Fame. I know the Red Tails Classic only had about thirteen or so. Uh, I can't think of any other big games. Can you guys or any big stadium games? But uh, thirty thousand was well under my predicted fifty. But uh, I think we will will blame the Delta variant on that a little bit. I think had uh, things stayed like they were maybe a month and a half ago and people maybe not got worried about the Delta, uh, they they would have uh, shown up. But still a great crowd. Jackson State and FAMU showed up. Uh, the, the band showed up. Before we get into talking a little bit about the defense, uh, Kofi, uh, the sonic boom and the marching 100 squared off. How would you... Uh, how would you evaluate what you saw at halftime and in the fifth quarter? Um, halftime, I would say that, you know, from for both bands for a first game, I thought they did well. Um, that being said, there was nothing that Jackson State did that we didn't see coming. Um, you know, obviously they, they have the Tiger run on into the floating JSU or the floating DI love or the floating, you know, something going down the field. Um, they did a salute to P3 who sponsored the classic. And then Nick J sets came on 
And then they did a dance routine um, that looked kind of lethargic to me. Um, and then they attempted to um, diss the 100 with the SOS, which I thought was, was kind of cute. Um, but our people, you know, were just kind of like, boo. But, I mean, that's the purpose why they did it, because they wanted a reaction. Um, and then they did Jazz, You Rock the House, and they went off the field. There was nothing they did that was um, necessarily, I would say, memorable. I would probably say the most memorable thing from this show may have been the SOS, because they tried us, but that's neither here or there. Um, then, fam, you came out on the field. Um, you know, they the entrance was nice. Uh, the sound was there from, I want to say, uh, for the drill. But the thing that was most memorable about that was they did a salute to LeBron James and they set up the basketball goal and the basketball went in the goal. Before that, though, I mean, they put the, the snake head on the field, um, which was, again, uh, not a very easy maneuver. Uh, and then you have the basketball and the goal. I mean, that's going around the country. It's on three. It's going viral yeah. on three separate networks. Um, and from what I understand today, now about four NFL teams want the hundred to come. Uh, as a result of wow. um, what they did. So, um, in addition to that, you know, the leave the door open concert selection. The whole crowd is singing it. Um, and the dance routine just put just kind of like the icing on the cake. The the difference in dancing styles was uh, like night and day. And uh, I would say the 100 took that. Fifth quarter is typically more of, um, you know, one of the things that Jackson State really does well. But going back to it, they played loud. Um, you know, both directors agreed to play about five songs and then, um, they were going to leave. They played a little bit more than that because there was supposed to be a battle of the bands, I guess, on Friday night that did not happen. So, and you had a bunch of people there that traveled near and far. People were hyped. So they played together face-to-face -face about seven songs. Um, overall, I would say, you know, from a volume standpoint, Jackson State's Jackson State, but that's the way that their arrangements are made. I felt like they executed their fifth but what I will say is that I didn't necessarily think that the song selection was uh, above and away necessarily that creative for a fifth quarter. I felt like um, FAMU exceeded people's expectations. They were expecting the 100 to play Flight of the Bumblebee and a few marches and this, that, and the other. And the 100. <laughs> You know, the hundred came out and they played "Believer" by Imagine Dragons, which I thought was um, amazing. They played "On It" by Jasmine Sullivan. Um, they did a number of different rap tunes in the stands that I thought was, you know, I thought it was on point. Uh, as the bands go forward in the season, you're going to see uh, uh, a stronger presentation. But here's the deal: it's like that every week in the swag. Right. And these bands do not let up. They go back, they watch your YouTube performance, they watch your fifth quarter, and they strategize according to what you played the last week. So the 100 can't afford to do the same fifth quarter again.
when they see Alabama State. And I believe there's supposed to be a battle of the bands that Friday night, but we'll see. Um, but there's definitely going to be a fifth quarter. So um, going into that, and then they have South Carolina State coming in, and they got um, they're going to Alabama State, Alabama A and M in Huntsville on the 16th. They're not going to Valley, but every week there's going to be a battle. So I felt like the hundred took the W. Okay, it, you know it's hard to tell from the vantage point of being in the press box, especially in a in an NFL stadium, because they in the media box where where I was, the windows are closed. They're not pumping in the sound from outside into the media box. So even though you can still hear, you, you don't get that 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 quality sound. You don't get you don't the whole get effect. But going back, you know, that's what the whole YouTube, I went back and I watched that. Um, I managed to get up and get out a little bit. And I was down on the field for the whole fifth. So being able to hear all of that, to hear the different songs that were being played. I love Jackson State's intensity. I think that it's great. Um, but I, I, I don't think that they necessarily um, – Felt like they didn't blow your socks off. They didn't blow your socks off. Is what you're maybe trying no, to say. No, what right? I'm saying is, I don't think that they took this game as serious as they will this week because they play Tennessee State. So that's okay. going to be an all-out war in the stands. Um, from the moment that the bands get there, they, they're going to be going at it. So they, <laughs> that's going to be a good one. That's going to be a straight-up war. But. Uh, I will say that the 100 held their own. I think the 100 represented. Um, and fam, you always have to get used to the fact that your blue blood programs are never going to admit an L. <laughs> no, sure. You're right. Fam, you is never going to admit that another band was better. Jackson State is never going to admit that another band was better. Unless it's like, quote unquote, just a straight annihilation. Um, Southern people, it took them all the way from 2000, all the way up to this year for them to admit that the 100 show in 2000 was the best that any band has done in Baton Rouge. Really? Yeah. They, they took them all the way to this year for them to actually admit that. What is that? 21 years later, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so your blue blood programs have so much tradition and so much pride that they're never going to admit an L. Um, you have to be. You have to go above and beyond. And I, I, I will say that the proof, though, is in the pudding. I think if you just look at what went viral, what people connected with, more people connected with Family Show and the basketball, um, going into the hoop. I mean, that went on ESPN, CBS Sports, uh, and then um, the uh, what is it, the Shade Room, just a number of different uh, platforms. It was it was just straight up uh, well executed. People saw exactly what it was. They knew what it was. It was no comparison, in my opinion. And and really? I feel like we. What's that? I said I was just saying that I, I agree. The, the hundred they got the W. They did what they do. Yeah, and that um, was an eight minute show. Now I want to say that in the swag you've got to do. Uh, eight-minute halftime. So the 10-minute halftime shows are going to be uh, null and void unless we have some type of agreement or something like that. Um, 
maybe at the Florida Classic. I don't know. Maybe they're going to pull that eight minutes all the way through. Um, well, this know, was about a 20-minute halftime. This was about a 20-minute halftime, I think. I, I noticed uh, Jackson State. For the back. Yeah. Really? Okay. It it's looked like it, Jackson State. Okay. It looked like a little bit more. Um, the the 100 will be playing in the NFL kickoff festivities tomorrow. Matter of fact, we're recording this in the middle of the week, but Thursday is the start of the NFL season. Uh, Tampa Bay will be, be hosting. It's going to be the full band. It's going to be um, a smaller group representing the 100 along with the family concert choir that's going to sing, uh, I believe, Lift Every Voice and Sing. So... Okay. That's that, but okay. it's still going to brand our university and uh, put us in position to do greater things. Okay, not the, not the full, not the full hundred. It all right, not be the full uh, all right. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with one of the voices of the Rattler Sports Network, uh, quarterback legend, Hall of Famer Albert Chester Senior. Oh. He'll be coming on to talk to us. And uh, we'll kind of uh, pick his brain about what he saw from this past weekend in Miami. Stay tuned. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi will be back right after these words. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today...
Uh, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. Uh, and joining us right now uh, on uh, a soon-to-be sponsored hotline. I'm sure any sponsors out there looking to uh, sponsor our hotline, well, here's an opportunity because joining us, our first guest on our hotline is uh, FAMU Hall of Famer and uh, legend, the quarterback, Albert Chester Sr. How you doing, sir? Awesome. I'm doing great. Glad to be with you guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking time. Uh, busy night. Uh, the uh, you know want to get your thoughts on what you saw. Uh, maybe give us your initial uh, impressions of what you saw from FAMU this past Sunday. I wanted to say Saturday, but this past Sunday in uh, Miami. Well, you know, every time we line up, uh, we expect to win. And that's the expectation, I think, that the whole Rally Nation has. And, and the loss stinks. But what I saw was a, a team that was gritty, a team that fought. Uh, we missed some opportunities that uh, we could have taken advantage of, and um, we fell short. You know, the mark of a, of a true champion is how you, how you bounce back. And uh, it's, it's, it's very important to see how these young guys bounce back I'm sure Coach Willie Simmons has these guys on a on a pace now to to try to reload, and uh, this is redemption week. But uh, you know, Dion came down with 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 his ball club man. They're not the same ball club that we saw in the spring. We knew that, and uh, obviously had some great talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, his young son threw the ball around real well, and uh, he has he has a whole lot to be proud about. You know, and. Uh, I just think that uh, it was just one of those opportunities we let slip through. And it's always tough to win that first game, man. I, I tell people all the time, I remember we played back in 78. We played Albany State, and, and we should have beat them by 50 points. We ended up beating them 21-7, to 7, I believe it was. It might have been 21 nothing, but that was a low-scoring output for a team that, that ended up being national champs. But it's that first game. You want to get that behind you. Now, keep in mind, these guys hadn't played a game in over 650 days, almost 700 days. That's a long time. And uh, although they had been indoctrinated in, into Willie Simmons' si uh, system, and uh, we, we too also received some kids from the portal, uh, we fell short. So I, I think, you know, one thing about it, you can't move forward looking back, and uh, it, it stings, no doubt. And... Uh, but uh, we, we're going to rebound, and, and this, this could be a trap game, though, because you've got to be careful because this, this next foe we have, Fort Valley is, is a Division II school. Now, keep in mind, they, they beat Tuskegee 30 to nothing uh, right. last weekend. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm watching all of that, you know, but our kids got to line up and play. they got to bring their A game every time we play because everybody's always shooting for, for the rap. And we, there's, there's no no room for for error. We gotta we gotta give it the best we got every play, and make sure we come out victorious. Hey Alvin, this is Kelvin. Um, I I was wondering what what did you see in terms of the uh, challenges we were having in terms of pass protection and and just the whole quarterback play and the, 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 um, you know, of course you play the position at a high level and, and, um, 
and have have uh, some expertise in this. Just talk about what you what you what we saw and what you anticipate will happen this Saturday. Well, I tell you what, um, I, because because of the weather, the, the early part of the game, obviously, you guys were there. The bottom fell out, and there were a couple of plays, a couple of series that uh, McKay got hit pretty good, and I couldn't see him up close, but one time the, the camera was right in his face, and he had that deer-in-the-headlight look. And I think he took a couple of shots that kind of shook him a little bit, and I don't think he ever got it back together. Now, you know, it's easy to always the Monday morning quarterback the thing, but I think right. Coach Simmons was a little late in taking him out, pulling him and, and switching up. And um, But I think he took a couple of a big shots. Now, they came out with a, a defensive scheme that, uh, that seemed to be a little challenging for our guys because we couldn't pass protect. I thought we should have made a zone block, maybe had a, a second back in the backfield, had max protection so we can complete a few passes, and then take advantage of it. Again, a lot of this is on McKay as well. You know, you got to take advantage of opportunities. You, you pre-snap read, making sure, uh, ensuring that the play that you call is the best play for that opportunity. And then if you don't see it there, to be able to check out of it. But, again, I, I, I think if you go back and look at the film, those first two series, he took a couple of big shots. I mean, to the head, they pushed him down pretty good. And I don't think he ever got it right back together. I think, I think Coach was riding it out with him. He was trying to ride out with him a little too long. But, but the pre-snap read is, is what's important. Uh, zone blocking, to me, is an option. And, of course, I don't know enough about his offense to – to dictate what, what they should have done. But my thought process was when you saw guys making plays and they, they weren't even being bought. These guys weren't touched. And so and they were big people, big, strong guys. I mean, uh, he, he's a symbol of a pretty good, talented bunch of uh, guys on the both sides. My hat's off to their defensive coordinator, Dennis Thurman. He did a great job. Uh, I thought our defense played lights out, though. I mean, in spite of everything, I think our defense played lights out. Cornerbacks were where they needed to be. A couple times we, we didn't get any calls when we should have. On offense, it was some interference. The referees kind of let those guys get a little handy uh, with their hands. But then when you think about it, the political side of it all, you know, Dion kind of had those refs in his back pocket. He is the symbol of the icon right now, I think, for HBCU football. Not from a negative perspective because he's drawing so much attention and all this, everything he's doing, I think, is all good for not only FAMU, but for all of black college. And uh, so I think, you know, politically, he got some calls that probably would have gone our way. And, and you know, you could win a football game on one or two threats, one or two plays. I mean, we were one or two plays and probably about 15 yards short of kicking a field goal, which would have won the game. Ugly win, but you want it, that first game, like I said, is always tough. So I expect, I expect the young, young quarterback – that uh, Coach Simmons has decided to go with June. He's come in. I kind of tracked him a little bit. He came in in the spring and uh, digest uh, what we are trying to do, process. A lot of this on his own. And and you want to see it translate now to the field. He had a great uh, training camp. And uh, obviously, you know, he, he moved in front of some people who had been in, in, in other quarterbacks who had been in the system for a minute. So mm -hmm. uh, he can spin the ball now. I mean, I think you saw that ball come out of with, with a little juice, and he can pull it down and he can run with it. We don't need a quarterback. I mean, it, it, the optimum would be to have your guy who could go take it to the house every time he pull it down. But you don't, you, you don't need but 10 yards for a fresh set of downs. 
and I think he has the wheels to, to extend plays. He has the, the wheels to, to run the football, and we missed some opportunities there in, that, in the Jackson State game as well to do that. But he has a, he has a, a talented uh, arm. He's got arm talent that I think will be uh, uh, on display this weekend, and I think that uh, we'll, see, we'll see how it all, how it all plays out. But, uh, and, and I'm sure McKay is still – I mean, he's a good kid. I mean, I, I had a chance to talk to him – I, I, I kind of mentioned to a couple of guys that, you know, last year he had the dreads. He cut the dreads, and when I went to doing spring ball, I had a chance to talk to him a little bit. And he said, just I, I, I cut off about seven pounds of hair. He didn't even like the same kid. But, but nevertheless, uh, from a defensive perspective, I thought we played lights out. We played championship-type football. Even with the big plays, you're going to get those. But I think our guys came up, man, and, and they matched up very well. I think we, gotta, we, we, we need to adjust sometimes to some schemes. The, the defense is giving us sometimes even you have to put an extra back in to get max protection so our guys have an opportunity to execute. So coaches are responsible for putting putting your kids in a position to hit a home run. We've got a long way to go, um, you know, really all of this season, but uh, the, the adage that defense wins championships, I think will bode well for us down the line, provided – we can continue to make progress offensively. Um, I think this also bodes well, even, you know, just really for an opportunity there, even if we don't necessarily win the SWAC East, if we do what we're supposed to do, we may end up in the FCS playoff with an opportunity to, to play for it all. So um, I think with our skills, the skill people that we have and with the talent that we have, um, this might end up being a blessing in disguise of some sort. So uh, I'm encouraged by um, what we're going through, or uh, even just going through this past weekend. I think that what we saw on the field was two FCS-level defenses um, going at it. I mean, you know, FBS, sorry, FBS-level defenses uh, really going at it and uh, – it was it was evident the the talent level and even the schematics that were going on uh, on the field, and I'm looking forward to see what adjustments we make. Well, I totally agree with you. I totally agree, and I, I, I agree uh, again. That's why I, I hope that uh, the, the the Rattler Nation will just exhale. I mean, it stings, but let's exhale and get through this. The end, the, not the end of the season. I mean, this is right. it, you know six to seven loss. The loss, the, not having a W hurts. But, I mean, we can get past this, and you can't move forward looking back. You know, let's, let's, let's look, look back at the film, see what we did wrong, see how we can improve, get better every day, and, uh, and go out and play the kind of football that represents FAMU. I mean, Willis uh, you know, Simmons has had a high-powered offense. I mean, we, we, what we did do was score a lot of points the last two or three years. You know what I mean? And, and three, 350 to 400 yards a game. And uh, to, to, to come out and not give that type of performance, the effort was there now. There was a lot of effort. I mean, the running backs looked good. There were times when, I mean, receivers did, did well. We just, we just didn't have the kind of quarterback play, I think, that we needed in that first game to pull us out for a victory. You know, that being said, uh, again, I, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Again, Fort Valley is not going to come in here and lay down. You know, they, uh, 30, they scored 30 points, and they shut out Tuskegee, who's been a, a perimeter power in Division II football. So I'm, I'm excited about seeing what we're going to do, and I'm sure that uh, the rallies will, will prevail. 
Mr. Chester, before we let you get out of here, uh, obviously with uh, this Fort Valley matchup coming, um, is this a game, as you think about this upcoming game, is this, uh, we, we definitely need to not take Fort Valley lightly, but is this really going to be a game more about us, FAMU, or is we, we have some things to maybe watch, or what did you, if you had a chance to watch Fort Valley against Tuskegee, are there some things that we need to be concerned about? Give us, if you can, maybe about a minute breakdown of how you see this game or what we need to pay attention to in this upcoming game. Well, this, this particular year, because of everything that's happened with the COVID and the, and the, and the portal, uh, a lot of schools picked up a lot of different players for, from, from different schools from across the country. And I'm not uh, – I'm pretty sure Fort Valley picked up a few players as well. Now, in terms of they, – they got talented people on both sides of the football. So it's, it's all – from where I'm sitting, football is football. I don't care where you play it and who you play. You just got to go out and play your game. We got to go out there and bust them in the mouth, redeem ourselves, regain our confidence as a football program, and keep moving. I think that uh, I think we, we, we're right where we want to be. It, it's you know you, you, it's a, it's a, it could be a trap game though. You don't want to you don't want to take these guys for granted because the following week you go play a, a, a Division One foe uh, in, in South Florida. So I say let's take one game at a time. Treat everybody like they're the enemy. The old saying, "Kill a mosquito with an axe." That's what we got to do. And uh, let's beat let's beat the bricks off these guys and then reload. Uh, next week, you can't worry about what happened down in Miami. Let's focus on on this week. Focus on what they're doing, and uh, go out, execute, play good, sound football. You know, play fast and physical on defense. Be, be aggressive and control the line of scrimmage. I don't care who you got playing quarterback. If you don't have people pushing people around up front, it ain't gonna happen. You know, so that we need to just get back to fundamentals, do what we do best, and beat the bricks off of, and be done with that. And then move on to the next opponent. Don't look down the road. Don't worry about what happened. Let's just take care of these guys and move on to the next game. Well said. Al Chester Sr., the Hall of Famer, the national champion. Uh, uh, he is the color analyst on the Rattler Sports Network. Uh, kickoff is 6 p.m. Eastern. Make sure to go to famuathletics.com slash RSN for the Rattler Sports Network. That where you, that's where you can hear his call of the game along with Mike Thomas, I believe, right? That, that, that's the gentleman who does play-by-play, right? That's correct. Right. So Mike Thomas, Alchester calling the game. Uh, it should be a good one. I'm not sure if there's any – you guys correct me. Is there any video coverage anywhere? Or the best we know, we're just going to have to tune in and listen to the audio broadcast. Is that uh, – and that's I'll, all right because – I don't think uh, there's, there's a television broadcast – but uh, feel free to tune in to us. Mike and I will give you the best we got. We call it just like we see it. Beautiful. That's that's all we can ask. And that, that's sometimes that's the best way to hear it. That's what we all need. So if you're not going to be traveling up to Tallahassee, if you're not going to be in Bragg Stadium, then you know where to go. Get online, wherever. Any way you can listen to the Rattler Sports Network, famuathletics.com slash F. Uh, wait a minute. R-S-N. I got to get it right. I, <laughs> you caught me there, Kobe. Let's go. Let's go. I know, RSN, that's the Rattler Sports Network. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chester. Have a great call. Great game. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys take care. All right, we'll be back right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kofi, we'll be back right after these words.
For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. Are you hungry for us? All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. And joining us right now, we're going to move away from off the gridiron and go inside in a nice air-conditioned uh, volleyball courts and talk about our Lady Rattlers who are rolling right now. One of the best records in the SWAC. Uh, might, be, might even be one of the best programs in HBCU volleyball. I'm just going to say it and just put it out there. It's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, joining us right now, uh, Ms. Dominique Washington. Uh, Dominique, welcome to the ONG Strike Zone. How you doing? Hello. Great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Glad to have you on. Uh, and uh, you, you, just to let people know, you're joining us after a, a class uh, this evening. Uh, what are, you guys know, you remember those late night 
uh, Wednesday, six o'clock classes. Uh, uh, you, you mind telling us what, what class, what class are you coming from? How, and how fun was it tonight? <laughs> it was actually a graduate um, seminar class, a leadership okay. class um, from 630 to eight every Wednesday. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and of course, for uh, for those who may not know, uh, Dominique is a grad transfer, uh, graduated uh, this past spring, I believe, from Georgia Tech University, I believe a degree in mathematics, correct? Actually, they never updated it. It was um, history, technology and society. OK, OK, wow. nice, nice. <laughs> All right. Well, Dominique comes from uh, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, after uh, being in uh, at Georgia Tech for the last few years, uh, so Dominique, as as we as we get to talk a little bit about and learn a little bit about you before we get into talking about the early part of the season, tell us how you found your way to FAMU uh, from Georgia Tech. Well, actually, at Georgia Tech, um, I had a great experience there the the last four years. You know. I, ne I didn't necessarily have the role of being on the court all the time, but I really appreciated my role and my perspective that I could give to my teammates. And so after my four years, I really wanted to further my volleyball career by actually playing on the court, you know, and having a better opportunity. And so I was talking to FAMU and learning more about their program, and it really fit into the beliefs and values that I want to pursue and a program that I would want to represent. And so that's why I'm here. And I'm really excited to get this season going and help up with this program. Right. Now, I, I noticed uh, as I was looking back into your years uh, uh, at Georgia Tech, um, you're coming in with, uh, and, I, and I'm thrown off by how many years any student athlete has these days. Um, so are you coming in with uh, – with just one year of eligibility, or did you get a pick up a second year because of uh, last year's extra year that was granted? Yes, I actually have two years of eligibility. One oh, nice. from redshirting my freshman year, and then nice. last year due to COVID, even though we had a season in the fall and spring of last year and this year, I still got a year back of eligibility. And so fortunately, I have two more years on the court. Oh. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome! Oh, well, yeah. that's awesome! Uh, go ahead. Uh, I, I let I'll, I got tons of questions, but I don't want to hog up the time here. So we're gonna to toss it around. Uh, Kelvin, you can uh, you can go next. What do you got, Dominique? Tell me what has been your impression. When did first of all I'd like to know when did you get to Fam? You officially, and while you've been here and with the program and so forth. And now you've had you've got six games on the bed. Just tell me about your experience, your volleyball, your athletic experience, as well as your cultural and social experience at family thus far. So I actually got admitted into uh, FAMU around July, late July, and I came to Tallahassee uh, around the twenty sixth, I think, and moved in and got settled in, and then had a couple of open gyms with the team, whoever was around. But um, with my past athletic experience, um, I really didn't have much role on the court, as I said, at Georgia Tech. And so I was kind of like the sideline leader. I still had the opportunity to lead and be captain of my team, but from a different perspective. And 
you know, kind of seeing what others might not see on the court and helping them with that. So that was a very important part with my experience of where I am today. I think it adds a lot to my skill and what I can do now. Um, my experience here so far has been great. Although we haven't had many home games yet, from the exhibition match, I am really excited to play here and play at home because I really feel the support and the energy that the crowd gives. And I love the band and all of the, the fans. It was so fun and I'm so excited to be here and playing games here. Well, Rattler Nation loves their volleyball and uh, I am excited to see what you all are going to do next. Uh, going, you know, just basically taking it to the next level. Do you see yourself coaching later on down the line with volleyball, given the different perspectives and different things that you've had? Um, so I actually have been a coach with my previous coaches, um, volleyball club in Atlanta. I was an assistant coach for a club volleyball team, a 15-year-old team. And it's definitely different. Not everyone who plays volleyball can be a coach. <laughs> But I would right. say it's fun. It's a fun opportunity because of the experience I have helping younger um, athletes, younger girls, you know, develop their, their skills. And they look up to me to be where I am, you know, to get that higher education while playing volleyball. And so it was fun. I would definitely do it for the opportunity or for providing opportunity and giving them insight as to how to get recruited and, um, where to commit and what to look for in a college. And so I would definitely do it for younger athletes, but not necessarily at a super high level. Right. This is my last question. So it's a big difference between the traffic level in Atlanta and the traffic level here in Tallahassee. <laughs> I used to, uh, I used to live in Beaufort and um, okay. yeah, so I used to live in Atlanta. So having to deal with that traffic in the commute and, you know, being able to get everywhere I need to get in about 15 minutes has been a plus in, uh, in Tallahassee. So what has that transition from Atlanta to Tallahassee been like for you? It's definitely been a bit of a culture shock, especially going from Georgia Tech specifically to FAMU. I would say Georgia Tech was like, even though it was in, in Atlanta, it was like its own secluded community and it was kind of separated from the city. But I think definitely the traffic was way worse. You can never count on that, especially on the highway. <laughs> but um, being from Chicago, I'm also used to that. And so it wasn't too much of a shift. But um, coming down here, it, everything runs smoothly. I like the city. It's a pretty big city and there's a lot of things to do. And so I'm still exploring and getting to know it, but I like it so far. Cool. Nice, nice. Well, definitely awesome. Tallahassee. Tallahassee does grow on you, so uh, it's good. To, it's good that you're going to be around for a couple of years. We we definitely uh, love to hear that. Um, so for for those who may not know, and what what's great about your story is, like you said, you were coming out of high school. You you played various positions. You were a setter, uh, an outside hitter. Um, and then you go to Georgia Tech where you, uh, it, it seemed, as you kind of said, you were, you were kind of in a role. You were, you were really more, seemed like you were playing more of a role. And then you get down here and you have blossomed into an attack killer right now. Uh, right, the, the, the stats prove it. Uh, the third in the country 
right now in kills per set at 5.11 per set, which is also number one in the SWAC. Um, not only that, your defensive skills. Uh, you're, you're, you're second on the team in digs um, and one of the, uh, I think about somewhere in four per set. And uh, you, had a, you had a game, a career game against uh, Florida International, a career high, 29 kills, 16 digs. Um, even though we lost that game uh, or lost that match, uh, we, we went 3-1 against them. Uh, talk a little bit about what that experience was like. I mean, 29 kills, 16 digs, and then you've been blowing it up in these tournaments. I mean, we're 3-3, three and three, and, uh, I mean, you, you've, been a, you've been a big part of it, obviously. Uh, what's that feeling been like for you over the last couple of weekends? Yeah, it's been really fun to just step on the court again first and foremost. I love playing volleyball, and so finally getting to step on the court and, you know, play as a team and finally show what we've worked for this whole preseason has really been fun because since I've gotten here, the team has been so welcoming and everything's been going really smoothly. And so every time we step on the court, we just go at it, and it's been so fun and I couldn't reach those individual goals without my teammates, and I know that they always have my back and I always have theirs, and having that support is really necessary to reach those goals and those individual goals, and I think from reaching those individual goals, it kind of shows where our team is at as well, because like I said, without my team, my team is just so close, so I think we're heading in a good direction. Yeah, most most definitely. Uh, Kelvin, you got got another question for Dominique? Yes, you, you mentioned goals and so forth, and I was just wondering, what are some team goals and personal goals you have in terms of uh, this this year and this team? Yeah, I think every day we're working towards focusing specifically on the uh, conference tournament at the end of November, I believe. And although all these other games do matter and – um, are a great focus for us. We want to win that conference tournament and to potentially put us into the NCAA tournament at the end of the season. And personally, I think just continuing to build those close relationships with my teammates so that we can perform to a high level. I think I've learned throughout my years that that's one of the most important things is creating that dynamic, that relationship so that you can perform. It's not always about the physical skills you may have, but kind of how the team works together as one and outside of volleyball, what you guys do together and how you perform. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, when you were at, I, I noticed the transition of those years at Georgia Tech where that team was under 500 the first couple of years, and then you kind of grew into a team where you won a national invitational championship, got into the NCAA tournament uh, your senior year uh, and now here you are in this role and with this group of ladies and you know I, I don't know it, it may be it's definitely early so we're not we're not looking far down the road but it, when you you have experience in seeing what a team can do when they grow together do, do you have a sense of you're starting to see this group mold into something as you as you've played your opponents over the last six matches? Does it give you some confidence? What are you able to share and tell your teammates 
because there are a lot of people, a lot of you, a lot of you ladies are coming from different places. You got people coming from from different countries, different programs, some homegrown. So it's a nice mix. Uh, what 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 kind of things are you able to provide and tell your uh, teammates from your perspective? Yeah, I think um, it's actually been great to see how well we've kind of bonded and worked together. Um, I actually wasn't expecting it to go this well because there's so many, you know, new um, pieces getting added to this, and I didn't necessarily know any. Well, actually, I do know Jessa Long. We played club together. Um, she's also from Illinois, so. Me and her have had a friendship for a while, so that was another reason why I came here. But um, other than that, I think that we've really worked well together so far, and I think how we've also worked in practice, you know, simulating game situations and watching film and scouting, just continuing to do those things and focusing on the end goal, and most importantly, working as a team. I think that's when we perform our best, and so, yeah. All right, uh, Kofi, you got you got a, you got another question for Dominique. Actually, um, what is your where, what would you say your your leadership training has, and then what do you want to do with your leadership training? Are you looking to go into government? Are you looking to go into the school system, or what are you looking to do from that standpoint? If you don't mind me asking, specifically after college. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm actually very interested in not necessarily the leadership, uh, a leadership role, but um, from an investing standpoint, I'm really interested in stock investing, and that's something me and my uh, my family and I have been um, taking part in over the past year. So continuing to develop that and becoming more aware of that, I've actually been taking classes outside of school. Um, the past couple of years, um, understanding stock more and investing and potentially opening up a business or a firm, uh, family business, pertaining to financial investments and uh, controlling financial investments for others. That sounds nice. good. Nice, nice. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I that I noticed I saw in one of uh one of previous uh, interview that you did that you you like stock trading. Um, I'm not going to ask for any stock tips because I don't want to get any compliance issues or anything like that. Uh, but if but I'm following you, so if you were to happen to just say throw something out there, I don't even know if you can do that. But if compliance says that, yeah, Dominique, you can you can you can send out stock tips. I'll, I'll be following. I'm just going to put that out there. Compliance. Anybody who's listening or watching, I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Tweet about it. <laughs> if you exactly, yes, ma'am. Yeah, you, that's how. Yes, I'm just saying. You know, uh, but I'll be. We'll be following. We'll be watching. Um, you know, one of your uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, before we let you out of here, uh, one of your big hobbies. Uh, of course, one of the interesting things I saw is that it was your sister who kind of helped you get into volleyball. Tell a little bit about that story. And it wasn't until eighth grade that you got into volleyball. Tell tell uh tell how, tell that little story about how your sister got you into volleyball. Yeah, so I started um, like a community, I forgot what it's called, but a volleyball program within my community um, that wasn't very competitive. And she just started like talking the ball to me and teaching me skills because she played uh, 
at a community college when she was younger. And so she kind of got me into it. We're actually 10 years apart. Um, so, you know, we haven't always been um, super close, Love. but that kind of brought, that, yeah, that brought us together, playing volleyball outside, just peppering back and forth. And so from there in eighth grade, I started playing and she was actually one of my coaches. And so that was a, a fun dynamic, but it's always interesting when you're related. And so from there, I started playing club volleyball and she was, her, her and my family have been my biggest supporters throughout all of this, even though I started very late and I'm still learning new things. But it was really fun that she taught me how to play and uh, I always remember that. Let me, I have to ask this because you're from Chicago, okay? So, are you a big pizza buff? Oh, yeah, steep dish pizza. Okay. So, what's your favorite? If you had to recommend any place, because I went to New York and I was just not impressed with their pizza at all. And my cousins, um, you know, my family's up in Chicago. So, um, they took me to Giordano's, um, and I love their pizza. But what's your favorite pizza and what's your favorite pizza place in Chicago? You have to have the deep dish pizza. Yeah. And I like the cheese and um, sausage with tomatoes on it. And it's nice. from Luma Body. You can also order, I know you can order frozen online. It's called the Taking Pizza. So you can order it online, heat it up, and it's just as good. So I highly recommend it. What's the name of the place? Luminati's. Luminati's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really Luminati's. good. <laughs> we'll take nice. it. Thank you so much. Nice. Nice. Somebody show this to Luminati's. Your NIL deal right here with Dominique Washington. Come on now. Let's Absolutely. get this let's get this young lady taken oh, care of, all right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Uh Dominique, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. This weekend, the Lady Rattlers are traveling to Charleston, South Carolina, in uh the College of Charleston's classic. We take on Campbell on uh, Friday, then we take on Idaho State and College of Charleston. All it's funny, we're three and three. Those schools are sitting at about two and four, four and two. So this will be a very interesting series uh, of, of matches. Uh, give us uh, maybe some thoughts about these opponents uh, as best as you can. Maybe what uh, Coach uh, Gokhan has uh, shared with you, ladies, so far. Yeah, he's definitely told us that it's a great opportunity for us to add this to our record. So we've been practicing um, in practice. We just, you know, simulated games and what shots we can hit to defeat these teams. And so that's been going well. And also we scout online, watching video, play by play. And so kind of seeing what the team's tendencies are and kind of how they move. So I think we're really prepared and focused for these games. Nice, nice. So any Rattlers out there, uh, if you're in the South Carolina region, if you're not coming to Tallahassee and you're going to stay in your area, let's get over to the College of Charleston and go support these ladies uh, playing a great brand of volleyball right now. Really exciting team. Um, Dominique, give out the social media plugs. Let people know where they can follow you and where they can find you if you're into that. You know, if you're not into wanting to give out plugs, okay, yeah, there you go. So go ahead and give it out. Give out the plugs. Um, Instagram, Dominique underscore Washington. And on Twitter, Dom underscore Washington. 
Beautiful. All right. All right. Well, we're following you on the ONG strike zone. And uh, so we're following. And, uh, you know, like I said, if if those tips ever come out, we, we'll be there to uh, catch them when they're thrown out there. Just saying. So great. Uh, I got you. <laughs> all right. All right. Dominique, we appreciate your time. Good Thank luck you, to Dominique. you and your teammates. Uh, we hope to talk to you uh, and follow you through the course of the season. And so uh, congratulations on the honors thus far. But it's a long season to go. We're watching. We're rooting for you, ladies, and uh, stay safe, all right? Great. Thank you so much. All right. All right. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone, Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi, and our guest, Ms. Dominique Washington. We'll be back right after these words. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.m-e-l-v-e-t-b-o-u-t-i-q-u-e.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi here. Um, again, want to thank uh, not only uh, Mr. Chester uh, for joining us, but then we had uh, Dominique Washington. 
And just I, I want to go back before we get into talking to football again, guys, just again to reset some of what Dominique is doing right now. Let, I mean, just in general, our volleyball program with a record of three and through I, three and three. Again, we are the cream right now, right now, cream of the crop in the swag, without a doubt. Go look at the standings. We are the only team at 500. Uh, there's only two other programs that have won a contest in these first couple weekends. Um, and I think we played some pretty good competition. And especially, you know, South Alabama, Florida Gulf Coast, um, uh, FIU. Those are the three losses. But those three games, even though they were uh, 3-0, 3-0, 3-1, we were in those games. I mean, it wasn't like we lost by several several points. I mean, we lost by three, four, five points. Um, so it just goes to show that this team has continued to build its confidence. And, um, you know, they, they're, uh, they're playing some good volleyball right now. Um, I, I wanted to make sure people know again – the upcoming schedule Friday, they're playing um, Campbell University, who's currently they currently have a record of two and four, with wins over Alabama State and North Carolina Central. That's their only two wins. Idaho State University is two and four. That's who they play on Saturday, and then host College of Charleston, who's four and three. So it'd be nice to see us come out of this. Uh, another two and one, or hell, if a uh, uh, three and zero oh would be great. I mean, that would really set the ladies up for uh, a great match going into the following weekend against Auburn uh, on the road. So uh, again, you, you heard it. Remember, uh, Coach uh, Gokhan Yilmaz, He told us he he put a good schedule together. And uh, man, I, when is it? When's it, when do they have a home match? Is it not till conference, uh, Kelvin? When, when's the or yes, uh, October October tenth after the South Carolina State game, uh, they they host a couple of uh, sweat schools. So that's when their first home game is. All right, let, let, I mean, you, Rattler Nation, you got to make sure you get out to 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 go check that out. I mean, that's going to be in Gaither Gym, uh, so that's going to be a big game for them. Um, all right. We move back into talking about football coming up. Uh, I I just, again, I, I just, you, you guys have anything you want to say to me before we continue going forward here? They better win this here Saturday. A Rattler Nation fitting to be lost it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now, I'm, in all seriousness, I believe they're going to win. Um, I believe this team is too talented. What my concern is, uh, Coach Simmons mentioned the transfers that we're looking to get back. I want to know if we're going to have those guys on Saturday or if we're holding them out, um, you know, for another week or so. So Now, are you are you referring to, uh, for example, Savion Williams? Savion did not play. Um, Jer- Jeremiah Pruitt did not play. Um, the transfer from Savannah State that plays running back. What's his name? McLeod. McLeod, McLeod did not play. So I'm I'm curious as to um, when they gonna when they gonna play because that, that it's funny you mention that because I heard that was a theme at a couple other schools. 
Um, I know Southern had some issues where some players uh, didn't play their first week, and some of them were transfers. Um, I think I heard some folks at Grambling talking about also some players. So, I mean, I I don't know. You know, um, it would have been great. Uh, obviously, there are things in the background that we don't know about. Maybe some, maybe some compliance issues and other things of that nature. Um, we're only speculating, but um, right. you know, the it is it, disappointing uh, for those players because those guys want to get on the field, and it definitely Absolutely. they've been here. But see, they've been here long enough for these compliance issues to be straightened out, and so now my attention is like, okay what is the issue like why is it taking so long they've been here since like january or last semester right. at the beginning of right. 2020 is now september and we don't have it together i'm i'm concerned um lightly concerned but i'm i'm i want to say that i'm looking at this situation closely put it like that. um calvin um let's talk about Let's talk a little bit about. I mean, we we've talked about the defense for a second. Um, are there were there any concerns or anything that you saw from the defense that concerns you? I, I I'll I'll jump in and say the thing that concerned me. The one thing was our lack of pressure that we put on Shadur early. I I was surprised that we didn't either we didn't or couldn't. I don't know which one put we more didn't. pressure. We yeah, we didn't. I so was I was approach. a little shocked by that. What what, well, what defensive takeaways do you do you have concerns about going into the next week? I, I have none. I, I thought General Hunt and uh, the interior line were all over the place and very active. I thought we tackled well. Even the the, the jump balls that they got um, passes. The DBs were in great positions. They got some long, athletic receivers, and they made a play or two here and there. Outside of that, they scored seven points. I think they collectively, offensively, didn't have no more than 200 or so yards. Um, the defense was strong. I thought we won the defense, and I thought we did well with special teams. You know, of course, we had the one block, and I was a little concerned about alignment of that person and and they out-schemed us on that with two guys to his outside. And the way they we had him positioned, he had no shot of, of blocking that, that rusher who, who he ended up blocking the punt. But, I mean, the kick. But, but uh, no, I have no concerns. I thought, uh, you know, this was our defensive coach, defensive coordinator's first time out. And I thought they, they did a really solid job. And everybody who got in the game and participated, they, they competed. Man, we, we got turnovers. Cause some fumbles, so uh, I have no concerns right now with the kicking the special teams effort from the first game. All right, um, let's let's go to let's talk about grades, uh, grades, and then we'll close the book on on uh, one. Uh, so we'll keep it we'll keep it general. Uh, we, we'll do that unless we want to go by position groups. <laughs> I saw you shake your head there. <laughs> What'd you say, Kofi? General, keep it general. All right, we'll keep it general. So let's start with the offense. Uh, Kofi, what grade are you giving the offense from game one? An F. 
No, no, no further explanation needed with a red pin, huh? We didn't score a touchdown, bro. We we were <laughs> we didn't score a touchdown. Um, even at the very best, it would be a D. Um, schematically, with the way that we just did not make the adjustments, I don't know. I mean, we, and we lost the game. So, you know, just the mere fact that it just took uh, them way too long to make the quarterback switch that also goes into it i mean i, I mean what you want to demine it i mean no I, I, you're, I, honest answer honest answer i love it yeah. kelvin what what grade are you giving the offense i'm gonna give it a d plus and mainly because <laughs> i thought the running game the running game was pretty good it was I, decent. I, I think we averaged more than five yards of carry uh we just needed to be more committed to it and that's I hope we'll do that this Saturday also. Commit to the running game. Let the quarterbacks get comfortable and and get and make the defense unbalanced and then attack them with all the different weapons we got on the outside. So so that's my grade, D plus. Uh why well, I, I hate to disappoint. The yardage was a little less than five per rush. It was about three and a half per rush. Um four yards, but- that's four yards of carry almost. Three well, and a half yeah. times three, three and a three times three is nine. So three point five times three is what? I I don't. You're making me do math at this time of the night. Point, uh, it's got eleven point five. Okay, but we were five so of seven on third down. down. So that's we the first down every three plays. Uh, well, we were five of seventeen on third down. Five of seventeen. We in third so, and long, trying to throw the freaking ball, run the ball. I'm, I'm just going with your average. I'm just saying that. So, yeah, that it is. I, 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 uh, I, I would also be in the ballpark of a D. Uh, you, you'd be in that sixty percent range, um, along with uh, along with you guys. What what was the troublesome for me was the yard, the passing length of our passes. You know, I wanted to go back and chart it. We, I, I don't, I, I feel like we didn't throw the ball past 15, 20 yards enough. Now, scrimmage in the first half. Pat, well, okay. <laughs> Look, there, there are reasons. The the field. I, thought it, I thought this was a game. The middle of the field was wide open. I don't know why we didn't target tight ends more. Well, he didn't have time. But, you know. we, we, if you go and look at the film, and after a while you start did. I, everyone else, I know me. I'm sitting there watching. I'm doing a head count. I'm counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi. I mean, I'm doing the count in my head, and I, by the time I got the three, McKay had a guy in his face that was on the ground. But Shador, on the other side, one, two, three, four, he's got the ball out. He, he's So that second and a half between what Shador had and what McKay had made a big difference in that ball game. And again, the, the big question of why the protection was so off is what worries me going forward. And I hope I know it'll get fixed. I know they'll be emphasizing it all week, um, but that's something to look at. And so that, you know, when we look at post grades, that's what we get. All right, let's move over to the defensive side. Uh, Kelvin or, or Kofi, excuse me, what are we what are we grading the defense at? What are you giving them? I give them an A. I give them an A, A minus, um, with a couple of penalties. But even that was real. I give them a solid A. Uh, 
we're dealing with swag ref people swag ref <laughs> Yeah, they were. They were. They were horrible. Hey, can we grade them? Yeah, let's grade them. Oh, we'll get to. We'll get. Yeah, we. Well, we. You know what? We ought to do. We ought to keep a video because there was at least how many plays? At least three in that game that were like, "What are they looking at? And why are they reviewing it?" So, yeah, we we definitely might have to grade the SWAC officials. Uh, you're up. You're you're very high on your grades. For the defense, uh, what about you, Kelvin? Are you are you in the same grade category I, with? I'm, uh, not deal with them. I, I'm not going to give them an A because we didn't get in it. We didn't score, you know, no pitch six or anything like that. But they got a B plus from me. I thought they did they, they did a yeoman's job, and um, I just hope they continue to stay hungry, work hard, and uh, prepare for this next. And, and that translates to, to the next game. Yeah, I, I'm more of in the B category myself with with you. I I, I don't think it was perfect. Um, I do. I am concerned about how it seemed like our cornerbacks were attacked. Uh, yes, some of those passes were high, but those were jump balls that they won. How do we fix that? Uh, there was a play that was really telling that uh, was a miss by Shador on a fifth, it's almost like a 40-yard pass that he threw down the center of the field, and it just went past the receiver's outstretched hands. I don't know if you recall the play that I'm talking about. Uh, Yeah, um, I I know a lot of people were really high about the way um, Marquise covered that ball. Um, that wasn't a miss because of anything Marquise did. I mean, he was he was with the receiver like he should have been. That ball was thrown about as as well as it could have been, and the receiver just missed coming up with that. That almost was I mean, I, honestly that probably should have been a catch, and that would have been the prettiest ball. We, we I mean, among all the pretty passes that Shadour threw. That one would have been the one that would have been on everyone's highlight reel. Like, oh my God, did he just throw that ball? Because it almost came, and, they, and the receiver catches that ball. They're stopped right there at the two yard line. That's how pretty that was. And so I just thought a lot of times our DBs didn't see the ball. We didn't high point the ball. We didn't. We didn't get any deflections that I saw on any of those, on any of those, uh, those deep passes. So I. I would just be worried about the lack of pressure from the linebackers. Where were our linebackers? I I don't I didn't see them. I didn't I, I don't know where they're at. I think schematically they didn't. You know that was just a part of their approach. And I, I'm not sure exactly. I I do want to see some diversity with that. Let me put it like that. I I too. I would like to see a little pressure uh, called up every now and then. Uh, let's go to special teams. Special teams, Kofi. Where are we grading special teams at? C. I give him a C. Why? Why? Why, why so low? The The reason why I give him a C. I think that we did some good things. Uh, we got a couple of returns off. We were near scoring. Um. We had an opportunity when the ball was hiked. Uh, I think on a fourth down play when the punter from Jackson State dropped the ball. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, we didn't even – we were nowhere to be found around the ball. And then had they not stopped it because of whatever penalty – I don't even know what penalty they called. But, um, you know, we were nowhere around the ball at all. 
had we been there, that would have been a free play for us to possibly even block or, you know, uh, get the ball in their territory. That's one. Um, the second thing is, you know, special teams got us six points, but special teams schematically didn't adjust when, when they made, they called the timeout and they set those guys up outside to block the field goal. So getting that field goal block cost us the game. So as much as I want to say kudos, good job, and I think that there were some things that we did well, overall it's a C for me. All right. How about you, Kelvin? I give them a B minus. Um, the, the block punt, you know, yeah, uh, it, it happened. So, uh, unlike what Kofi say, though, I don't, I don't believe in one play calls you the game. There was many opportunities to win that game. Oh, absolutely. And, and was, I agree with that. And that, was, and that was just one of those opportunities that, that we didn't convert. But, but overall. Uh, the leg strength of the kicker seemed pretty good. His accuracy was pretty good. Kickoffs were okay. Like I say, in the return game, we made some plays. Coverage was okay, so B minus. Uh, you go B minus. I'll go solid B. Um, the return game w- wasn't bad. Uh, we had two kickoff returns. Average 35 and a half on the two kickoff returns that we did have. I mean, there were only a total of four. Uh, we had two. Jackson State had two. Uh, we only had one punt return of 17 yards. They actually uh, uh, out uh, outgained us on the punt returns, uh, two punt returns for 55 yards. Um, they had one really good punt return. But of the six punts that Chris Fadul had, his average was 45.5. He put two of them inside the 20. Two of them were 50-plus yards, only one touchback, and one was called a fair catch. Uh, so I, I thought uh, – or excuse me, they called three fair catches. Excuse me. They called three fair catches. So, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, that was good. And, you know, probably the only thing that kept it from being an A was, like you guys brought up, the blocked field goal. Which, when you think of all the all the things that we're being and complaining about, we almost had a lead at halftime. Can you can you can you think about that for a second? Let's everyone just stop and think about that for a second. We were that close to having a two point lead at half if that block if that field goal doesn't get blocked. That's how close a game it was. So you know we're gonna be all right. As, as we've said plenty of times. All right, gentlemen, let's take a break, come back for the final segment, talk about our thoughts and predictions as we look ahead to Fort Valley State coming up this Saturday in Bragg Stadium. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi will be back right after these words. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. 
contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. Are you hungry for... All right, welcome back to the OG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin, Rosier, Kofi Hemingway, we appreciate you watching the show. Make sure you uh, stay tuned in with us. Uh, on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at ONG Strike Zone. Have a thought, comment, like for us to uh, uh, talk about anything in particular for an upcoming show next Wednesday. Uh, hit us up, ONG Strike Zone at gmail.com. Make sure you're following us. Download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app uh, on your Google and Apple Play Store. My JBN and my BCSN is the simple search and how you can find us. We'll put up the podcast a little bit later for those who might miss us live right now. Uh, Fort Valley State comes to town this weekend. Uh, It is, well, by Saturday, hopefully, it'll be 665 days since the Rattlers have had a win uh, that goes back to November 16, 2019, when we beat Howard, uh, and and uh, we we all we all had high hopes coming out of that game. Uh, unfortunately, we've been uh, we've been tasting tasting. Uh, it's, been, it's been a bad taste in our mouth for for 665 days. Hopefully, that comes to an end. Why but as I mentioned, the days. My God! Because it's 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 the it's it's a it's a storyline. It's a storyline. I can't help it. I don't write the stories. The storylines write themselves, Kofi. <laughs> uh, but I will say, the last time that we had a two game losing streak, we started a nine game winning streak with a game against Fort Valley State, uh, September 14, twenty nineteen. The last time we played Fort Valley. 
in Bragg Stadium. We beat them 57 to 20. Uh, had a 40 to nothing first half, which included a 33 nothing second quarter. Pretty impressive performance uh, by the Rattlers, uh, led by uh, former quarterback Ryan Stanley back then. Uh, the Wildcats are coming into town, uh, head coached by Maurice Flowers, who this is his second season. I don't remember Fort Valley State playing in the spring, but they must have. Um, That's how they are. are say again? That's how AC didn't play in the spring, did they? No, no, no they didn't. Yeah. But, I, but I know some division, some division two schools did play. Uh, games. I, I I guess it just slipped by me that Fort Valley State might have played a couple. I know Savannah State did, for example. But um, so Coach Maurice Flowers comes in, leading the Wildcats, who are coming off of a thirty to nothing win against Tuskegee in the inaugural Red Red Tails Classic that was on uh, what was that Monday night or Sunday night? Anyway, Sunday. Uh, they. Sunday, you said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they pretty uh, they six uh, zero. They had a six zero lead at half, then a twenty one nothing third quarter, uh, which was uh, 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 included a couple of touchdown passes by their quarterback Tyrell Jackson, and then a sixty yard fumble recovery broke open the game late in the third quarter. Uh, they came back and uh, got the final field goal in the fourth quarter. But all in all, they held Tuskegee to four yards of rushing, 99 yards of passing. So that you do the math on that, that's 103 yards of total offense that they held Tuskegee to. Um, offensively, Fort Valley rushed for 118 against Tuskegee, passed for 166. Uh, they were 11 of 17 on third downs, possessed the ball for 32 minutes against Tuskegee. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who watched that contest uh, came away really impressed by Tuskegee's defense, or excuse me, Fort Valley State's defense. And so it remains to be seen what, uh, what that means for FAMU. I will say before I give it over to you guys, you know, I like to look at predictive analysis and stats and things of that nature. Uh, if you're familiar with Massey Ratings, who Massey does a good job of predictive analytics and score predictions and probability win percentages and things of that nature, they only see this game being a 14-point victory for FAMU by a score of 28-14. to 14. Uh, I find that very interesting for a – FCS, who's playing a Division II team, that only a 14-point margin of victory is what's on the board. So, uh, yeah. We'll go to you. We'll start with you, Kelvin. Uh, <laughs> uh, your thoughts and analysis predictions for this weekend against Fort Valley State. So, in uh, looking at the game, the, uh, the Tuskegee game, uh, six points in the first half, two field goals, total three field goals for the game. Uh, one of the touchdowns in the third quarter, as you mentioned, was a scooping score for about 60 yards. The offense had a short field. 
There wasn't a whole lot of offense production. They, they, they built on defense and special teams. They averaged about 47 yards a punt also uh, against Tuskegee. So, so that is a good formula that translates no matter who you play. Good defense and good special teams. So I expect the Rattlers to be prepared, hungry, upset. You know, you're going to have a nice crowd and brag, first home game. Um, and, and, I, and I know we – I still believe in the talent level we have and the depth we have uh, on this team. So it would not surprise me if this game is over with in the first half. It equally would not surprise me if we we still trying to get separation in the fourth quarter, though, um, because – um, a lot of it is going to depend on the adjustments we've made. And then I I, I just have to see our, ex, our execution of offense and, and how comfortable we make this young freshman quarterback in his first start at a collegiate level. And so until I see that, I know the potential, I know the talent. I'm Just like Coach Simmons says in his coaches show, I think he was dead on. This kind of game here is not about the opponent, it's about us. Not that because the opponent ain't good or capable of beating us, but really this week is about the Rattlers getting in the work, doing the preparation, correcting all mistakes, and coming out guns blazing from the jump uh, against the opponent trying to trying to put the uh, put to the to the gas to the floor. So that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I'm expecting a win. I'm expecting a big win, but I'm not guaranteeing it. <laughs> the game got to be played. Oh, you're gonna put a you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna put an or on that uh, on that on that sheet there, Kelvin. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So no bold prediction from Kelvin. That, that's uh, that's interesting. See what one game has done to you. Now you're not so bold, huh? All right, Kofi. What do you got? Uh, thirty-five to three, fam. You. Any any bold predictions? Any individual performances to that you might want to go out on a limb about? Two fifty for Maritobi. Okay. I, I had talked about uh, Chad Hunter. <clears throat> he didn't have great yards, but he had seven catches, and um, and the plays were there. There were catches. several missed it, opportunities with Chad. Yeah, there was a couple of deep catches that uh, if the quarterback had caught him in stride, he would have took to the to the end zone. So I'm looking for him to have a potential double-digit catch game. Well, he was targeted 13 times in that game against Jackson State. So the opportunities, <clears throat> as you mentioned, were there. Um, Well, since nobody else will say it, I will continue to tell you about the freshman quarterback, the true freshman from Orlando, Florida, Wakaiva High School, Junior Maritovic. Uh, I was, I was, I, I, I was reading the coach speak, and I could hear what coach wanted to say. I knew he couldn't say it, so I, I tried to tell you. I tried to give everybody a heads up to be ready for it. They told me no. Nah, they shot me down. You booed me, but. Uh, Junior Maritovic shows out this weekend, folks. 
Three, I'm telling I, you now. Look, I want him to show out. Please show out. 300, 300 plus passing yards, three touchdown minimum. I'm telling you now. That'll be awesome. The kid's going to show out. A kid's going to show out. He does that. Uh, he he will have. We, we, we need somebody to field. take the rankings of this uh, offense and, and be the guy. We need that, right? It's nice to have guys who are all capable, but we need a leader. We need a guy. And so I hopefully that would help. And, and, you know, the good thing is I, I think what's positive for him being a, a freshman is there's enough leadership around him that he doesn't have to be the man. He just has to get the ball to the right people, make sure the, the, the right protections are in place, and move us down the field. And I don't think that's too much to ask. I, I think everything that I have read – uh, you know, shout out to uh, there was a great report. I thought some great reporting by Rory Sharrock of the Tallahassee Democrat in his article about uh, Muratovic and uh, Al Chester talked about it as well about him being around in the spring and how quickly and why he was able to pick up this offense so well and why he had such a good camp. And so uh, I, I think there's some validity to that. Coach Simmons has talked about the arm talent. I think that'll will show up. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing him really show out this weekend. And I'll go one more bold prediction. I, I expect to see more blitzing this weekend. I think we were way too passive and set back and let Jackson State throw on us too much. I think we go complete 180 and go, you know, to the wall this week. And I, I think you're going to see a lot more pressure from the Rattler defense this weekend. We have such good DBs. Well, let, them, let them man up. Let them man up this weekend like Jackson State did us, and uh, let's get after Fort Valley State and not let, let's not let them be comfortable this weekend. All right, and I'm predicting the volleyball wins at least two out of three this weekend. How about that? I'll go let's even go. with the volleyball. Two, two out of three. At least, at least two of three, I should say. All right, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media everywhere at ONG Strike Zone. Make sure to tell a friend, share it. Let us know what you thought, what we got right, what we got wrong. You can go ahead and send me my flowers, put them in the mail. Let me know how you feel about the show. And, hey, make sure you download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Go to your Google or Apple Play Store. Just search my JBN or my BCSN and uh, let us know how you feel. All right? Uh, so that's going to do it uh, for Kelvin. For Kofi, I'm Brian Fulford. Rattler Nation, we'll see you in Bragg. Or if you're going to Columbia, South Carolina, make sure you go up there and support the ladies as well. All right, Rattlers, we're going to take care of each other. All right, we're going to be all right. Just make sure you strike, strike, and strike again, baby.